Welcome back, everyone. It's Pete Van Epps. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you. Um, first, a little backstory. Back on January 4th of 2020, my colleague Joel Junker had a conversation with the CEO of Cameron Brooks, Chuck Alvarez. And the conversation was ba- basically looking back at the year that was 2020 and all of the ups and downs that came with the economy and COVID. And at the same time, looking forward to 2021. And if, for those who have heard that episode, you've probably heard the next two that were spawned from that conversation. We call, affectionately call all three of them the trilogy, but episode 116, which talks about the power of comparison and episode 118, which defines the word transition. But anyway, those three podcasts were really talking about, you know, even in the state of the economy, even in the state of a, a horrible economy that was COVID-19, there are ways to navigate that effectively. Now, here we are in August of 2021, and I wanted to bring Chuck back to the conversation to talk about essentially the state of the economy. You know, Chuck's been uh, working at Camera Brooks for over 25 years, nine of which he's been the head of the company. And so he spends practically every day talking to companies about their hiring needs, the state of the, their organizations, and of all of the things that go with the um, the idea or or the kind of all the all of the things that go with hiring, training, developing, mentoring, helping military officers grow into leaders within these new organizations. So he, he literally talks to companies every day about what they're doing in their company. And so thought it would be a really good idea here in August 21 to bring him back and just get an update. A lot of things are changing the economy right now. A lot of things are changing in corporate America. So I wanted to hear from him. I think one of the things you'll really appreciate about this episode and about the way that Chuck brings the message of of what he's seeing in the economy is he's he's making um, part of the conversation. He's helping military officers through a decision making process, not, hey, you should hurry up and get out of the military or no, you shouldn't hurry up and get out of the military. It's really uncertain out here. It's neither of those things talks a little bit broader, dials back a little bit and says, hey, think about your decision making. I thought the conversation was really impactful. I've gone back and listened to it a couple of times, just really appreciating the advice that he's giving to military officers as they're considering making decisions, as you might be considering making decisions. So really enjoyed the conversation with Chuck. Hope you will as well. If you want to know more about us, go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Got a ton of information that you can use um, to help you learn more about what a move from military to corporate America might look like. If you're so inclined, pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America. It's in its fourth edition, written by Roger Cameron, co-authored by Chuck Alvarez and Joel Junker. Literally 80 years, chock full of um, military officer transition experience and advice. You can find that book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Okay, without further ado, let's get started. Here's my conversation with Chuck. Okay, Chuck, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for carving out a couple minutes uh, for us today. Thank you, Pete. Good to be back with you. Okay, so this, this call, this conversation is really set up as a continuation of what we did back in early 2021. So, of course, you met with Joel on a podcast. Look back at 2020, the year that was COVID and the things that are going on at that point, and then looked forward to 2021. That, of course, spawned two additional conversations that you and I had, one on the power of comparison, the other on 
on the definition of transition or, or how we as an organization define transition. So now here we are mid 2021, we are eight career conferences beyond our first virtual conference in the, the time of COVID. We've experienced the shortest recession in American history in the spring of 2000 and 2020. And so based on the conversations you're having right now with companies, how would you classify the current state of our economy? You know, I think it's, it's, uh, it flipped. We, you're, you're right. We saw an incredible steep downturn in, um, in the economy in the, in the spring of 2020. Uh, a remarkable uh, contraction. Um, and it went down so fast and everything changed so quickly. Uh, I don't think anybody would have predicted back then that it would have come back at the, at the rate at which it's come back uh, uh, in, the last, in the last two quarters. I mean, we went from uh, a contracting economy, you know, about three and a half percent, which is one of the largest contractions year, year over year GDP contractions that we've had in 75 years. I think the last one that was close to it was like 1946 or, uh, or thereabouts. And so it's 75 years of uh, all-time record. But, it, but here we are, Q1 of 2021 and Q2 of 2022, we've seen a 6.5% increase in two quarters, right? 6.5, one quarter, 6.5 for another quarter. So it's, the economy is just raging back. Um, and so I, 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 you know, I think we all feel very lucky that, uh, that it didn't have a, a much larger and longer-term impact. But it's, uh, there's no doubt that the labor markets have an unemployment is showing it, right? The, the, uh, and we always track, Pete, you know, the unemployment rate for 25-year-olds and older with a college degree, because that really is the, the JMO pool is in that part of the labor pool. And unemployment went from, you know, 3% pre-pandemic to seven and a half percent for that uh, demographic during the during the pandemic. And, you know, now it's back down to the same level it was pre-pandemic. Uh, so so all of that, you're right. Quick turnaround um, in the economy. And I don't think that I have seen in 26 years. And I've, I talked to Renee Brooks, uh, one of our founders, and I know she said she hasn't seen anything where we've had this tight of a labor market like we have today where companies are looking for good people um, at the rate that they are right now and the difficulty that they're having finding the quality of, of junior leaders. I don't, we've never seen that before. It's absolutely uh, unprecedented times right now. And it shows in the number of interviews that, com- that candidates are having at conferences. You know, we're, we've been averaging 12, 13, 14 interviews, and we're sitting here at this August conference, um, you know, two, three weeks ago where we had to stop allowing companies to sign up, right? There's basically a waiting list for the career conferences right now. And we've never had that before in the company history. You know, we've always been able to accommodate um, all of the, all of the demand. So needless to say, it's a, it's a good time for, for uh, junior military officers right now. We're thinking about getting out. You mentioned tight labor market. Can you, you know, for military officers who, who may not be thinking about it the way you think about it, can you can you maybe put a little bit of a why behind that? What's the what's the key driver that you're mm-hmm. hearing and seeing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the I think the the main driver is it, it really comes around the complexity of the openings post COVID. 
I think that a lot of these junior leadership jobs, whether you're you know, in, in operations or manufacturing or supply chain or engineering or corporate finance or commercial jobs like sales and marketing, the complexity of the roles post-COVID where companies are having to operate with just a much, much higher level of, of uh, problem solving and collaboration in teams and even you know, just simple things like getting a group of people together in a, on a project team to execute where now several of them are working remotely, some are, in, some are in the office, or even executing a supply chain operation where the supply chain is so constrained right now and being able to move things from point A to point B. Um, it's just challenges. So companies talk a lot about, you know, we, you know, the, uh, Chuck, uh, we, you know, this job's open and we haven't been able to find what we want. Why? Well, I, you know, not only do I need somebody that's a really good leader, I need a good collaborator and I need a good problem solver and I need somebody who can run projects and they, I need them to be analytical. And, you know, I kind of kid around that we're in the world of these big run on sentences and what companies are looking for in, in these uh, junior leadership roles. And in a lot of ways, Pete, I think that it's a perfect time for the military because, and this has always been true in junior military officer recruiting, junior officers have a much broader toolkit of experiences, of leadership experiences than their peer group. You know, we've drawn graphs here, you know, market graphs where we show the steepness of the junior officer experience relative to somebody that comes straight out of college at 22 and how that graph takes a little bit longer for them to ramp up in the experiences that a junior officer will have in their first two to three years. And so there probably is no better time given the needs that these companies have right now and the complexity of these openings to be a you know, 27, 28, 29, 30-year-old junior officer transitioning uh, to the business world with that big, heavy, wide toolkit. They're differentiated. There's a lot of demand for it uh, right now. And we're seeing it. Um, I mean, I really think at this August conference, if we let every company come that wants to come, the candidates could average you know, 20 or 30 interviews each, which might sound good, but it's absolutely impossible to execute at, uh, at one. You, know, you, can't have, you can't do 15 interviews in a, in a day. It'd be impossible, as much as it sounds good. I do want to talk a little bit about the officer and what, what they're thinking about right now. Um, before we get off the topic, though, I do want to hear, like, when you tell a company, perhaps one that we've been working with for years or whatever it might be, like, hey, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're at capacity. We can't, we can't take you. Like, how do they respond? What, what, you know, what, what is their true pain and what are they telling you? I mean, you're friends with a lot of these people. Yeah. What are they telling you? Yeah. Well, and I mean, and they know that this is a, that we have a long history and a great reputation of being a great source of these types of people. So we, we've got a good, good brand recognition. And, you know, I think companies recognize there's, there's only so many of them. So they're, they're understanding and they're supportive of it. Uh, and they, they get on a waiting list right away. And I never even used that term before, Pete, in 26 right. years. Right. I've, never, I've never had that. A term, uh, but secondarily, they're they're just signing up for future conferences. So there's just right. there there's uh, I don't think that there's any um, ebbing, predicted ebbing that is going on right now. If anything, companies are looking at you know the end of second half of twenty uh, twenty one and the entire year of twenty twenty two, trying to get ahead uh, with uh, with the pace that we're all facing. One of the things, one, one final question on this topic. One of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of conferences is 
companies didn't do anything during the pandemic. And now they're doing a lot of things as it relates to recruiting and hiring and trying to fill positions. Just just for insight for officers that are thinking about transitioning, can you just lend lend insight or shed some light on that? Like what happened? Mm -hmm. Were, Were companies just afraid? They just didn't know the uncertainty was too much. And so now like, okay, it's unlocked. Let's go hire more. Well, I think, I think that every company, uncertainty in a company is going to display itself with, um, uh, let's be very, very careful about adding headcount. Now, they'll always replace people based on attrition, mm-hmm. regardless of what the economy is. So there's always hiring that's going on. Um, I mean, remember, uh, our economy in 2000, in, uh, in 19 was about, you know, 2.7 or $21.7 trillion. And if, you know, you shrink by three and a half percent. So, you know, you're losing just underneath a trillion dollars of, of GDP. And that's a, that's a big deal, right? Three and a half percent contraction in GDP, but, but you're still left over with 20 and a half trillion dollars of, of GDP in the private sector by and large, the engine of our gross domestic product, right? The public sector, is is not minuscule, but it's it's you know very small right. uh, relative to the number of uh, of positions that are out in the private sector. Private sector by far the largest employer in um, in our country, and so you know I think that the first thing companies are going to do in uncertainty is to is to hold what you have and to avoid layoffs. And so we saw that right. We saw a lot of. Uh, expansion positions, you know, dry up really quickly. And we just focused on replacing people that are getting promoted or retiring or, you know, what have you. And, and so, but, but then as soon as companies had line of sight in their own industries to what the other side of this, you know, this chasm was going to look like, uh, they started hiring like crazy. Now, of course, there were several companies, trucking companies, transportation, logistics, supply chain, medical, manu- manufacturing, healthcare, medical, right. Um, certain sectors of the energy uh, economy, general manufacturers, service companies. I mean, it was crazy, Pete. They, they, they stopped hiring for like two weeks right. in COVID. And then it came raging back. And so luckily, we're so diversified. And I think the, the reputation of high-quality junior officers has moved from, from industry to industry that, that I think even in 2000, it was nowhere near as bad as, as, as it could have been with right. this idea of shutting down our economy. Um, so I think we all grew a lot of gray hair during that time. You know, I certainly did. Uh, but but in, in hindsight, you know, doing an, an AAR on it, uh, I think a lot of sectors of the economy never stopped recruiting. And, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, t- right away, turned up the rheostat to be able to meet this strange demand that they... Uh, that they had. I just was on the phone with a packaging company who said the last two years have been the best years in the company's, you know, 100 year history because, because so many people were packaging things, whether you were buying them or delivering them or what have you, there's just, it's been incredible for, uh, uh, for that industry. Well, I know one of the things that we've said around here, and I'm certainly convinced myself, the fact that in April of 2020 and June and August and November and so on, we never canceled a career conference. And so no. the, 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 that really supports what you just said, though, though maybe the average number of interviews wasn't 12 or 13. The fact is, even in, even in the height of total uncertainty, companies were still most certainly recruiting officers. 
and yeah. junior leaders. The, the question there is, and maybe you can speak directly to military officers who who are uncertain about the future. You know, we've got we now we see companies roaring back with extreme needs, so much so that for the first time in the 26 years you've been doing this, you've had to put people, as you said, on a wait list. That's new to me, and I've only been here not even 10 years. And so what about that officer who's, and there's a bunch of them out there, I've been speaking to them lately, are just like, hey, it's uncertain out here. I think I'm gonna wait. Right. Let's let this thing blow over, and then and then we'll kind of see what's going on. What yeah. would you say to them? Well, and I understand is what I would say, but I, but I, I think the, the mental model is, um, you know, is, is probably flawed at its core. And, and, you know, and I, I think I could, I, I appeal to a military officer who, who is planning military missions. Um, they're doing nothing and, and kind of freezing, um, has never led to any, um, uh, military mission that's going to be written about in the history books. Right. I mean, there are risks, and, and I think we just can't let the risks stop us from, from crossing the line of departure and executing a mission. That's in military terms. If you put it in terms of your career, you know, I think that it, instead of waiting and trying to time something that's so big and so complicated, you're never going to be able to time it right. I think the larger point is to look at your own professional aspirations. And to look out on a 10-year horizon. So you're 27, you're 28 years old, you're approaching a time you can get out of the military. You know, where do you, instead of worrying about what's happening this year or next year, you know, ask yourself, where do you want to be 10 years from now or 15 years from now? And start doing some of the research on what your professional aspirations are. And if they are the private sector, you know, if you you know, we talk about being a development candidate in the private sector. If you see yourself leading in, in a growing as a, uh, as a leader in business, as opposed to growing as a leader in the military, it makes all the sense in the world to prepare to cross that line of departure as soon as you, as soon as it makes sense for you, for you, but not for what the economy is doing. And, and I, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the, the, the Warren Buffett phrase um, of, you know, be brave when other people are scared and be scared when other people are brave. I mean, this is what Buffett says has been the key to his investing strategy for his entire life. And he said he has kind of a larger amount of grit to, to be disciplined and, and to be very brave when everybody else is running for the exits. And that has allowed him to make some very prudent investments. I think that is highly applicable to making a decision to get out of the military, that in many ways, there are a lot of extra opportunities created for somebody who can be brave when, when everybody else is scared. Because, uh, you know, in effect, you're, you're, by, by behaving that way, you're, you're reducing competition for yourself. And we have absolutely seen this, right, Pete? I mean, the people that got out in the, at that April conference in 2020 um, that already had, you know, their resignations were already submitted and they were ready to go. And this COVID basically hit like two weeks before the conference and we still executed the conference and those, those candidates joined companies. And it's amazing to see what uh, return on that investment that they've gotten. Um, the, the, we, you know, we say, and you, you know, you, you and I've talked about this a lot that the transition is a four to five year process 
to transition out of the military and transition to a new industry and to a new company and really establish yourself as part of that company's succession planning process, right? You're now, you know, you've got the street cred and the relationships and the reputation inside your company and your industry as, as, uh, as being a, a, uh, a, uh, a proven leader, you know, it takes a few years to do that. But I think in the world of COVID, um, we're, we're living dog years now. You know, it's not exactly one for seven, but, it, you know, it's at least like one for three or one for four. And so those officers that have transitioned during this time, they're getting promoted in a record time into manager level and director level roles. And they're getting challenges and assignments that I can only liken it to people who came in the military um, and, and got through their, their basic uh, officer training. And first thing they did was deploy and came back and deployed again. And, you know, you look at their second lieutenant time and first lieutenant time, 0102 time, by and large, a lot of deployments, you know, you look at what, what that does foundationally to a military career, you know, in a lot of ways, the people who have transitioned out during this, this time and are transitioning out right now are, are reaping the same reward of, of being brave when other people are scared. The example of these, these officers and their, that, that made the decision and their promotions by being brave, I think when other people were, were uh, scared, you know, they've reaped that reward. And another Buffett quote that I really like is, is if, you, you know, if you're going to wait until you feel comfortable before you make that investment, you know, he likes to say, by the time the robins start chirping, spring is over. And so it's, it's, it's important to try to be on the front end of this. And so anyway, by in, in the bottom line is I would not, um, I would not try to wait. I hear a lot of officers over the years that, you know, we've had a lot of economic ups and downs and I do hear officers that, you know, approach us and say, yes, I stayed in for another four years or five years. And I regret doing that at the time. You know, it just didn't seem like it was a good time to get out. I think they're trying to time it as opposed to really thinking what is right for them, for their families, for their professional aspirations, for that 10 year plan for where they see that's what I would have drive this uh, more than a, what sport do you want to play? You know, do you want a career in the military towards 20 years? Great. If that's what you want, keep on that track. If you want to get out and want to grow as a business leader, getting out and lead your career in that direction. You know, if you could expand on that, because I know that one of the things I, I know you're sensitive about, and I appreciate that about the way that you interact with military officers, you're sensitive in that you say, you say, and I hear you say this all the time, I don't want to lecture you. Yeah. Free choice, you know, make a decision and whatever that might be. So could you expand on that more? Because someone, some people hearing your voice and hearing my voice might be thinking, oh, Cameron Brooks, they just want me to hurry up and get out of the military. So, you know, we can partner. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, nobody wins in that, right? Nobody wins in over-influencing somebody. You know, it has to be of a person's individual own volition. Um, I still, I still think that uh, anything outside of that, of a, of a person serving their own career desires is, uh, is, uh, is a mistake. So I am hesitant. I also believe, Pete, in my, in my heart of hearts, that it's not right for a person to sit around waiting a- until the right time where their, their pain levels get high enough that, that they're actually quite miserable. I don't, I don't think that's good for the military. I don't think it's good for the person. 
I don't think it's good for the, for the people that the person's leading. And so again, I hesitate, I'm not trying to lecture. I'm just offering a perspective from talking to thousands of military officers that ultimately do make the decision. And sometimes I hear regret that I, that I waited so long for things to get bad. I wish I would have been a little bit more proactive. I wish I would have been a little more thoughtful and kind of stopped and popped my head up and looked out over a 10 year horizon to figure out what is going to be the best way, you know, for me to serve and, you know, not only serve, you know, yourself, but your serve, your family, serve your career aspirations, serve your communities and, you know, and, and live the one life that we all have here the military, what do I want to do? And what do I see myself doing? And what, you know, and that's where Cameron Brooks comes in. That's where a partner like us and being able to work with our team and the tools that we have, everything that we're going to do is going to be to try to educate you on what it would be like if you decided to get out of the military so you can make a very thoughtful decision on the best way for you to serve yourself, your family, and your own career aspirations. That, the, the reason I'm hesitant about lecturing people is it really doesn't have to do with the military or even getting out of the military. It really has to do with you as a person and what it is that you want. You know, one of the things that I love about Cameron Brooks, the things, one of the things I love about working here is when I'm talking to an officer, when I hear you talking to an officer, there's not pressure, there's decisions, there's trade-offs, there's evaluations, there's ability to think longer term, long view, and make decisions about the right course of action for them and their family. Can you share with us a parting thought, tactical information that an officer can use to start to do some of the things you're advising and encouraging them to do? Yeah, I, I think it, I think it, I put it back in military terms, right? You're, you're, um, there's no doubt that any transition, any, any industry transition, when a person is going from one industry to another industry, that is a major change. And that change is going to have opportunity and it's going to have risks. And, and just like a military mission, that is something that's, that's got high stakes. You're going to spend a good bit of time in the kind of intelligence phase um, to, to understand the risks that, that are there for you. And to start to, once you know the risks, to start develop, developing contingencies and plans to be able to mitigate those risks. And so using military terms, putting it in, in terms of relate, Pete, and if, if a person's thinking about getting out this year or next year, start early and, and reach out to Cameron Brooks and start doing some good preparation and reading so you can get educated on the risks. That's all it really takes is to know the risks. I mean, we really are, as partners, risk managers. I mean, we do know, and we spend a lot of time talking to not only candidates making the decision, but you and I both have thousands of relationships with military officers that made the transition successfully in our, I mean, our, and in my 26 years, I'm fortunate to know lots of people that run companies today. And I remember them deliberating um, when they were making their decision, you know, 26 years ago. And today, you know, how, how happy they are with the way they approached it. And it, just like military missions, it comes down to the mission statement, the commander's intent, and and uh, preparation, and uh, let us help you with it. You know, see see us as early as you can, and let's start engaging in a dialogue um, about you and what you're trying to do. I really want to make this a regular conversation. You know, we did 2020 and 21. Now we're updating, and here we are in mid 2021. Let's do it again in six months, Chuck. 
Sounds great, Pete. Thanks right. so much.